When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now, or should I say, hey now, can yeah. you hear us? Can you, can you hear that, guys? Oh, you're, there's still music fading out here. But uh, the, the, forgive us for today. We're told it will be looked at and fixed, but something's making a lot of noise up above us, about, right above our heads, which is always very like nice to hear. Like, oh, there's some shit going on above you. Don't worry about it. Nothing will fall down on you. <laughs> yeah, the engineer came in with a giant ladder, and he's like, Cat, I'm going to need you to move because i got to get the ladder right where you're sitting. And I thought, well, that's not very fucking good. And he didn't fix it. He said, yeah, I'm going to have to take a look at this when you guys are done. I'll come back. <laughs> Okay, cat. Good luck. Roll the dice. Keep sitting there. It's an air conditioning issue. Right above I my head. I know. Just let, give me a heads up, would you? Just be nice. To be like, oh, something's coming down. Yeah. <laughs> the nice thing is, I think that uh, sprinkler and that carbon monoxide detector will hold the tile up long <laughs> enough that you can get out of the way. Good. Good. Which good, is great. Good, good. We have a lot to get to in this episode of After 9, and we're going to start off with a couple of things that have come down from the province. Number one. The province has released the plan to stay open. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean, really. Like, I understand some people are wondering, okay, guys, what if we have another wave, right? So is this basically just a just-in-case? And we know we do, we are going through a wave right now. I mean, oh, yeah. honestly, if you're paying attention to the numbers, you know this. But it's not, it's not being uh, made as big a deal. We all know this because everything's open and masks are off here in the province of Ontario. And things seem very, very normal-ish. But we all know things could get worse. There's a chance at it. So is this their chance? This is their way basically of saying we are planning to keep businesses operating even if shit hits the fan. Listen, we could have every single person in this province sick and half of them requiring hospitalization. And I don't think anything is going to bring Doug Ford to shut it down again. And I'm good with that. A plan to stay open is probably exactly what we needed. So basically what they're going to do is the government is going to be required to annually update the public on how our PPE stockpile is doing. And they'll have to keep ordering. Hey, that's good. We were supposed to have been doing that all along. Mm -hmm. That's part of the reason that we ended up in a fourth lockdown. Preparation is always key for anything, right? Preparation is always key. And yes, of course, we didn't know that that this was going to happen first wave. So first wave, everything was like, absolutely. Nobody knows what's happening. Nobody had PPE ready. Okay, we kind of gave it a break. It was actually pretty astro. You might remember, actually, the lack of, of ventilators. That was shocking for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Excuse me? There's only, you know, two in this hospital altogether, or in some cases, there's one per hospital. Like, this is not right. So knowing these in- things in advance, I feel like we should prepare for anything and everything at this point. Like, double check your stock of anything that might occur. Because that was crazy to me, that the ventilators were so low, they had to literally figure out who was going to die because they had a lack of equipment. It's insane to me. It was shameful is what it was. It was everything wrong with it. There was so much wrong with it. They're also going to make permanent the $3 an hour pay increase for personal support workers. So uh, the raise that you got, you will keep. 
they couldn't take that away anyway. I mean, when we see what the PSW's dealt with for the last two years, there's no way we could go back and say, thanks, we'd like our $3 back. PSW's have been underappreciated for many, many, many years. And the amount of work they that they do and what they do and the fact that we should all appreciate that because as we get older, we're likely going to need one one day. And you mm. want to make sure that there are good ones there to stay. And money is going to be a factor in that. Money's a factor in almost every job. Yeah. And there's some jobs that I'm sure they're noble professions, but you don't get a ton of people that want to do it because the pay is shit or the hours are bad or whatever. PSW? Yeah, I mean, the least we can do is let them keep their race. There's a lot of other industries as well that probably should have got one and yes. they still might. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We did uh, speak to some people this morning, one of them uh, working in labs, for example. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the areas I think was also underappreciated and and so needed at one point, especially in the pandemic, when we were trying to figure out how, you know, to to scale this. And they were one of those key people and they feel underappreciated. And I get that, too. So hopefully they get around to everybody because those are all very important people. Doug taking another one of our ideas. They are going to, in an effort to recruit more nurses... They're going to open up more spots in nursing school. Great. And if the nurse is willing to work in an underserved community for two years, they can get their tuition back. That is incredible. I know a lot of people in nursing that would have jumped on that chance. Sure. That would have jumped on it because they're still paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, years later. Because you think about doing that for two years compared to still paying off six years later, depending on what city you're working in. But with the cost of living being as it is... Yeah, I love this initiative. That's fantastic. Well, that covers off future nurses that want to go into the industry. But what about the current ones who have been working their butts off for two years? They want to raise and more than the the legislation allows, the 1%. Uh, They can get bonuses and stuff like that, but they want an actual raise. And there's no shortage of nurses right now that are saying, oh, this does fuck all for me. Thank you, Doug. Mm. You didn't do anything for us. So, uh, wherever you stand on it, either way, the the province is spending money. This morning, the provincial liberal party, Stephen Del Duca, out with a media release, he claims he's added up all the numbers. And when you add up all the spending announcements that Doug Ford has made this month, just this month, in the month of March... $5.6 $5.6 billion. Woo! Fuck you, Doug! Holy shit. But I think we all know, I mean, a majority of spending is going to happen right before an election, I feel like, right? Or or maybe directly after, depending on your strategy. And it is kind of in part strategy. That said, though, a lot of the money that's being put out there right now, I will argue, though, is needed. These are things that maybe could have gotten done a while ago, maybe the excuse will be the pandemic that uh, made them delay it. Perhaps that'll be the excuse anyway. But these are things that we need to spend money on, I think. Well, I, I think a lot of people would agree with that. I think the other part of this, though, is eventually we're going to have to pay for it. And there's nothing about raising taxes. And frankly, it seems irresponsible to me for any leader, Doug, Steve, Andrea, any of them, to even suggest that they're not going to raise taxes. They have to. It is irresponsible to let us continue going this far into debt without any plan to get us back to a balanced budget. Even if the plan is 15 years out. Actually, it might even take longer than 15 years to bail us out of this mess. We spent a lot of money that we didn't have. So what are we going to do about that? Just be honest with us. If taxes are coming or if they're going to have to go up, 
after the election, you know now they're going to. Everybody knows the books. Nobody after this election can say, well, the fuck, the books were all screwed up because of COVID and we didn't know that we don't have as much money as we thought we did. That's bullshit. You need to be upfront and honest with people. Tell them if the plan is to raise taxes. And if the plan is not to raise taxes, how are you going to get this under control? That needs to be an issue that you ask candidates about when they come start knocking on your door in the next few weeks. And that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to go door to door looking for support. And you should be asking them, how are we paying for this? Tell me right now Mm -hmm. if our taxes are going up. And if they say, nope, we're not going to raise your taxes, then they're wildly irresponsible. It's shocking that any government could just continuously let themselves go into debt. Don't even get me started on the feds. But there was a couple of other things that came down yesterday from the province or involving the province. Ontario is increasing the speculation tax on non-resident home buyers. It used to be a 15% tax. If you're just some person with some extra money in your pocket over in Hong Kong, yeah, you can buy a nice house here in Ontario. And you know your money goes further here because our dollar hasn't been very good. Mm -hmm. So you buy these properties and you rent them out or you just sit on them for a while and flip them as the market goes up. It's easy money. Well, it used to be just in the Golden Horseshoe, a 15% tax. Now they're making it province-wide, 20% tax. Okay, that might get some money in the coffers. Is it going to slow down the housing market? Maybe a little bit. Could be a little blip. I don't know. If someone was willing to pay 15%, I don't think that they're going to care about paying 20%. Part of the problem here is our money is worth nothing. Today, just today, for the first time, the Canadian dollar hit 80 cents US. But when you get an extra 20 cents on every dollar, you'd be crazy to be an American investor and not look at buying houses in Canada. It's so much cheaper. It's 20% cheaper because your dollar goes further here. Sure. We should mention there's a lot of loopholes with this announcement too. Like, yeah, absolutely. That's that's good. And maybe it will slow it down. I don't know. Someone who knows a lot about real estate, like our buddy Tony Johal, would know a little bit more about it than I. I don't know how many foreign investors there are, for example. Like what percentage of the homes being bought right now are. But there's there's ways around it. I mean, all you need to do is really know someone in Canada and find a way to get them to pay. And then you don't have to pay that tax. And maybe you pay them a little something on the side to do it. And maybe it's in their name. And sure, it gets messy. And maybe be, they'd be less likely to do it. But there's too many loopholes with a lot of this shit. But if that's all the government can control, I suppose, and they feel as though that'll help, then OK. Maybe that's better for like the bigger buildings, for example, the office buildings and things like that. Mm-hmm. If they feel like, okay, I want to invest in a property that's going to be rented out by companies, that's where probably you would make the majority of your money rather than, hey, I want to buy a house on you know, Main Street. Like, it's probably less about that and more about the big companies and the bigger buildings. The uh, $10 a day childcare is still popular. A lot sure. of people excited about that. A lot of people confused about that, actually, quite honestly, Scott. I got a couple of DMs from people saying, you guys did not touch on that as long as I wanted you to. So maybe we can do that quickly because I know there are some questions and I get it. The biggest question is, you drop your kids off at daycare. Will there be someone there to actually watch the kids? Advocates say the 86,000 licensed childcare spaces that are being promised by the government as part of the $10 a day childcare deal with the feds are not nearly enough to meet demand. A childcare policy expert says when fees are cut in half at the end of 2022, the province will need an additional 200,000 spaces. 
by the time we get to 2025 and the price is actually down to $10 a day, we'll need 300,000 spaces. Now, I know, well, we can just hire more ECEs. Are, are there that many ECEs unemployed just sitting around waiting for the government to call? I don't think so. It's going to take a while to get people yeah. to go into this industry, to train them, and to get them into those sites. So, unfortunately, while daycare may be cheaper, you might not be able to get a spot. Spaces, it's going to be very competitive. The spaces are competitive. They are. I mean, the wait lists are insane. I mean, I could tell you firsthand that I had to be in a wait for many, many months. Actually, interesting timing that this occurred. I didn't plan it this way, but my little one starts daycare on Monday. And the wait list is huge. It's astronomical in a lot of places, especially if you will, like the good ones, the ones that have a great location, for example, maybe the ones under an umbrella that's very trustworthy. So you want your kids to go to those particular ones and trying to get them in. You have to put your baby on the list, literally a newborn on the list if you want them in in two years. So there's an absolute demand for that. Um, And I know that there's a lot of questions on the cost. There's confusion about before school and after school care, which is not a part of this at all for those who are wondering. But I don't know, like for me, like a 25% to start, that's a good jump start for some people. But they're absolutely right. There's a lack of spots. And there are people that have been on these wait lists for a long, long time. So if we can try to get more centers opened, maybe it is hiring more. But even then, Scott, there's a cap on class of kids. You can't squeeze in 50 kids into a class. So if they're full, they're full. And there's nothing the daycare center can do about that. You know what I'm wondering when it comes to the daycare? And I I don't have a kid that's in daycare. So maybe I am a little disconnected on this and, and how it works. But one of the things that somebody told me many, many years ago that's always stuck with me is this. Cheap is not good. Good is not cheap. And when we drop it down to the lowest common denominator, 10 bucks a day, I'm wondering, is there going to be like a two-tier system here? Like, oh, yeah, sure. If you just want somebody to watch your kid, it'll be 10 bucks a day and they get the real basics. But then you can go to like private child care centers and you'll pay like 50, 60, 70, 80 bucks a day. But that's like the Cadillac of, of care for kids. And I'm wondering, are we really just putting lipstick on a pig here? Yeah, there's a place to drop off your kids, but it's not good. Well, that's what I'm wondering is, are we sacrificing quality in any way just to get everybody a spot at $10? I don't think there's going to be a question of quality, but I think that there probably sh- will and be and should be, in my personal opinion, a cap on it. So if you do want to go to that special Montessori school, we all know those cost way more, mm-hmm. way more money. If you do want to do that, okay, yours isn't going to be 10. Yours is going to be closer to whatever the price amount might be. That seems fair considering you used to pay, pay you know, $400 a day for this outrageous childcare. Well, now you're going to be 200. So you're still going to pay and the government will take a piece of that. But it's your choice to put your kid into those, right? Because there are lots of options. You're absolutely right. You could do home daycare, which by the way, this is not, this has nothing to do with home daycares at all. So if your kid's in a home daycare right now, that's not happening. Right. This is only licensed child care providers. Correct. Which is, again, again an, why they're seeing a, a huge demand. There's people who are trying to move their kid from the home daycare. Like, oh, I got to go to the other ones then because that's going to save me money because why would I go to this? I was going here to save money. But now over here, that's actually saving me money and they're in a center. So that's another that's another there's so many layers to this one. But I do think that you should have to pay more is my answer. I do think that the average child care center, which may cost families right now per child full time, uh, let's say twelve hundred dollars a month. 
If you are doing the Montessori right now at $2,000 a month, you shouldn't be expected to be paying $10 a month like the people at the other childcare centers. But it's across the board and it doesn't seem to be impacted by need or by your income. It just seems to be $10 a day. That's why I was wondering, is the government going to subsidize the high-end ones down to $10 a day? Or is yeah. it just like the cheapest of the cheap? Those are questions. Those are great questions. I'm not even sure, by the way, does Montessori count in all of this or is that considered private and that doesn't count? I actually don't even know the answer to that, guys, but I'm just we're sh- we're shooting some different ideas out there. We don't really know the answers because there's been not a lot of detail yet on this. A parent texted our radio show this morning and she said, I can't find answers on $10 a day child care anywhere. My yeah. daughter goes to a before and after school program. Does that count? It's run out of the school. No. So that wouldn't count. No, it's, it doesn't count. What about at the camp? There's some people who will try and write off their kids' summer camp experience as daycare. Is that going to qualify? I don't believe so. But you know what? That's another question that we have. Even the summer programs, for example, like summer daycare. There are some... This is one of the reasons why some of like the kinder care that's called. So some daycare centers are run in schools through the summer. And that's called like a kinder... There's some... There's different names for them. But for example, a kinder care would allow you to put in your under five and under or sometimes six and under child in care throughout the summer full time. Would that count? Uh, maybe, but it's actually already it's already cheaper. It's not it's not the same thing. You're putting your kid in there for like two hours before school and two hours after school. It's not the same as a full time childcare. I I would so I would assume, but again, we're lacking detail. Yes, we absolutely are, guys. But from what I've heard, no, before and after school care is, is has nothing to do with it. You're still going to pay it, and it is a pain in the butt. I do it too. I do it too. It's it sucks. Back to Ontario's new plan to stay open. Apparently, I didn't see it. But anytime Peter fucking Uni does an interview somewhere, everybody starts messaging me. I get tweets, I get DMs, <laughs> I, I get it like crazy. Same. Dr. Peter Uni. We need to stop moaning. He is a lockdown enthusiast, for those who don't know. He's one of those people who truly wants everybody locked down, rights taken away, fully restricted. He doesn't want you to do anything that could, in theory, make you catch COVID. Um, there's been some real nonsensical regulations that have happened over the last two years in our four different lockdowns and uni has been championing all of them we need to change our attitudes well obviously peter sees what we all see it seems like this is the third omicron wave right now and i'll tell you what i mean back in december january we all saw how many people were sick they were pulling buses off the road and they were closing down classes because there were so many teachers and and members of the civil service that were out of work. Some businesses had to shut down because they had so many staff that were isolating. Then it seems like about two, three, four weeks ago, we had another little blip. That was right after the restrictions started to loosen. I feel like we're going through another one right now. And for the last couple of days, the hospitalization and ICU numbers have been ticking up a little bit. Now, I don't know how bad it's going to get, but I think it's in the name of being honest, even if you don't want to hear it, let's be honest. There's a lot of people getting sick right now. It feels like this is where we're cresting. And I thought the plan was low key. They're not going to advertise it. They're not going to promote it. But I feel like we did go with the whole letter rip philosophy. Let's just stagger it out. We'll loosen restrictions here, there, and everywhere. Week by week by week, we'll do more. People are going to get sick, but as long as everybody doesn't get sick at once, our hospitals should be able to cover it. And once everybody's had it, plus the fact that we're going into the warm weather, we should be out of COVID until at least next fall. 
Apparently, uni is calling for more restrictions. What's the problem with going back to 25% capacity in the restaurant? Life will continue. We need to stop moaning. Get the masks back on. What Start requiring the passports move? again. Didn't he move away? Isn't he moving? Can't you move now? Can't you go? I wish he would. I really wish he would. These uh, real loud Twitter doctors that are uh, naming and shaming and, and insisting that we've got to restrict things and shut it down. I don't know what you fucking people don't understand, but look at what we just went through for the last two years. It came down to uh, four different lockdowns, people out of work, businesses shut down, irreparable damage done to children. Like, just absolutely insane how far behind some of them have fallen. People that were uh, suffering major mental health issues. We don't need to rehash it. You know what's happened over the last two years. And still to this day, these Twitter doctors that do nothing but stir up shit and try and get everybody riled up are still demanding that we do the exact same thing that we did that landed us right where we are. We need to stop moaning. We shut down more than anybody. More than anybody, four times, and we're still right back where we are, right where the rest of the world is. A lot of people are getting sick, and that's just the way it is, but it's still a milder variant. You know, those doctors love to criticize, but they don't like to look in a mirror very often. You know, they were the same doctors that were predicting the fucking apocalypse in January when kids went back to school. They said, this is it. Here we go. The hospitals are going to get overrun. Mm -hmm. You can't reopen the schools. You can't send kids back. Well, lo and behold, it wasn't the end of the world. But it will be bad. It will get bad. Well, this is the thing, yeah. Chicken Little. Stop. Shut up. The well, sky isn't falling. And sometimes, honestly, I need to, and I hate to have to do it, but I need to sometimes blame the media. But there are certain outlets that allow these people the time to scare the public. You know, that, that have them on go, oh, I knew it. Too soon. Fuck this. This is crazy. You know, if we stop giving them an outlet. Stop maybe, giving them a platform. You know, that's the thing. And I, I do feel like having your own Twitter is one thing. Absolutely. And have your followers on there and have people comment. They're obviously following you, likely following you. I shouldn't say always, but they're likely following you because they like or they side with you. Uh, and they want to know what you have to say about it. That's great. And I think that's fair. And that's part of freedom of speech. And you should have that. But otherwise, we need to stop, like, highlighting it so much, I think. Like, I'm over it. I, Peter who? I don't even know who you're fucking talking about. Let's, let's move along. We need to change our attitudes. He's, uh, uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I just can't anymore. I, I just don't understand how you can be that hellbent on ruining lives. Hellbent on ruining lives with no vision of any of the collateral damage that could happen. Just so fucking hellbent on this I just don't get it. You lockdown enthusiasts that love this shit, that love people losing their jobs and people committing suicide and irreparable damage to kids. <laughs> yes. you, I just don't understand how you still haven't learned after two years and four different times of doing it. We need to stop moaning. We need like a doctors versus a psychiatrist and everybody in the field. When I say psychiatry, you know who you are um, and those who work, uh, who are social workers, all of you, everybody who works with people, specifically children, but people of all ages who know the mental struggles and all of those things that Scott mentioned that people have gone through. I would love them to versus the, versus, versus the doctors. 
because those numbers we don't have. And I've said this before and I'll say it. I'll keep saying it again. Well, people like Peter Uni are, are saying his shit. And I know we we've got a buddy that happens to be a biostatistician that that also isn't a big fan of what's happening right now. And that's fine. And you can crunch those numbers because that's what you do. But you're forgetting this other side. And there are so many numbers behind that. There are so many kids struggling. There's mental illness. There was been, there's been suicides. If we were able to publish those numbers on a day to day basis, maybe it would make you more more likely to shh, just calm down over there. Yeah. You're exactly right. It is so frustrating that these things happen. And these are the fear porn people that for two years have been scaring the shit out of people. And that's a whole other issue. You only have to look and and look at the comments on some of these doctors' Twitters. People are shit scared that this is it. This is going to be the the wave that breaks us. Our hospital system's going to get overrun. It's really not. Yeah, I'm seeing for the most part, though, Scott, as I've been out and about a bit going maskless here and there and most of us aren't aren't there. Most of us aren't afraid anymore. Most of us are realizing our own truth. And and what makes you comfortable makes you comfortable. And that's great. And go with a mask on everywhere you go if that would, that's what makes you comfortable. But what I'm seeing is mainly people who are like, let's move on. Yeah, it, it's time. And, and the whole COVID may be, or uh, you may be done with COVID, but COVID's not done with you. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to fucking scream. We are done with it. It's over. It's over. How many people have caught it since January? How many people caught it this month? How many? What's our vaccination rate? But it's the same surely that, to God with ninety percent vaccinated, we're not having this conversation again. And I know that COVID is different and it's not a cold. But I'll give you the example of this time of year. I would always get sick. I actually haven't been sick at all. I haven't been sick in like two years, which is great. But this time of year is kind of common for me to, you know, come down with a cold or something. So to me, I'm treating it the same way. Like if I catch something, I catch something. But every year, usually it's February actually. But every year, I usually. You know, we all usually at some point used to at least get something. And that's kind of what I'm treating it as. I don't know, because for me, again, because of those ICU numbers and because those are looking OK. And yes, there's a slight uptick. And yes, that was even determined to be the case because we are a little op- more open now. We are a lot more open now. But learning to live with it is, is what I'm going to go with. I'm still thinking about uh, Build Back Better. We were only a couple of weeks into COVID two years ago when we started hearing things like build back better. We're going to build back better. And it was a couple of different leaders in particular that were right on it. It was Joe Biden. It was Justin Trudeau. And it was Jacinda Ardern, the premier uh, prime minister of New Zealand. The three countries that are still dragging their feet on releasing the freedom on the ones that insist On the mandates, even though the mandates from most public health doctors, uh, the senior ones, Dr. Moore in Ontario, Dr. Tam federally, will admit the the passports didn't do shit. It didn't work. But those three leaders are still on it. And they were the same three three years ago that were on the Build Back Better thing. And it makes me wonder, what is the fucking plan? What is it that you guys are cooking up in your heads or that you had cooked up in your heads for this that we don't know yet? Why are we still dragging our feet on this? I don't understand why in a country as big as Canada, they can still to this day justify saying you can't get on an airplane unless you've been fully vaccinated. It doesn't make sense to me at all. And again, I have to wonder what is the what's really going on here? And those were the big three that really championed this. I'm glad to see other countries coming to their senses and dropping those mandates. Most have. But uh, Canada, U.S., New Zealand. All over it. Uh, One last thing on this, and then we're going to move on to Jim Carrey from yesterday, who had a really good perspective on Chris Rock. Uh, In America, Florida, and 20 
other states are suing the U.S. federal government to stop the federal mandates on travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, A mandate that requires you to wear a mask on a plane or train or other public transportation was the main target. The lawsuit filed yesterday in federal court in Tampa. It contends that the mask mandate exceeds the authority of the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. When this is done, if it's ever done, we'll assume it will be at some point. When we get a break, we've been saying all along, there's some things that we got to fix. I still think we need to realign the regions here in Ontario. There's a lot of people who don't even know what region they live in. Maybe we should do a big... (laughs) Which is always interesting for me to hear. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, You know, and it used to be just the school buses, right? On a snow day, people would call in, are the buses canceled? And we would say, well, what region do you live in? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, we can't help you unless we know where you are. And and you know what? Even with COVID, they didn't know what region they lived in or what public health unit they belonged to. And some of them don't make any sense. So that's one thing we've got to fix. Another thing we've got to fix is we've got to draw out the rules of engagement. If it ever comes to something like this again, who makes these decisions? Who has a right to have input into those decisions? Do we need a volunteer science table to take over our TVs every night at 6 o'clock? I don't think we do. And maybe that is something that we should put in the rest of the plan for staying open is who goes where? Who has a say in this? Are we only going to ever again look at a public health perspective in the sense that the virus that we're fighting is the only focus? Or can we listen to psychiatrists? Can we listen to nutritionists and naturopaths and, and so on and so forth? There's a lot that we've got to figure out, but that should also be part of the plan to stay open. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You had some great audio this morning on our FM radio show. It was uh, Jim Carrey. And what is he promoting? So, <laughs> the reviews aren't great, but Sonic 2 is oh, what he's promoting. Shit. I don't know. I haven't even seen the first one. I'll be honest with you. But I'm a fan of Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey, what I do like about him is he's not afraid to get um, get his hands dirty, honestly, um, in, in a lot of different ways. He doesn't really care too much. And he seemingly like lives that way. He doesn't care too much about what people think. He does have opinions. And he was asked about it. In all fairness, he was asked his opinion um, by Gail King. In an interview yesterday morning while promoting Sonic 2, hey, what do you think about what went down at the Oscars? Because if you're a celebrity right now being interviewed by anyone, that's the first question. What do you think? Are you Team Will or Team Chris? Or what happened or what should happen? But Jim Carrey did not hold back. I was sickened. I was sickened by the standing ovation. I felt like Hollywood is just spineless en masse. And uh, it just, it really felt like, oh, this is a really clear indication that uh, we're not the cool club anymore. They asked Chris, do you want to file charges? And Chris apparently said, no, he did not. He doesn't want the hassle. I'd I'd have announced this morning that I was suing Will for $200 million because that video is going to be there forever. It's going to be ubiquitous. You do not have the right to to walk up on stage and smack somebody in the face because they said words. I mean, oh, wow. yeah. So I love that that's a true member of the Hollywood elite 
saying the Hollywood elite has completely lost touch of reality. And I feel like more people feel that way, whether or not they're going to say it yet. Maybe they're going to hear that Jim say it and go, yeah. One other thing I will mention, too, is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote a blog post on this, and I thought it was very well said and his issues that he took with it. So if you want to look up another opinion, definitely do that. What Jim Carrey said about suing is interesting to me because he does make a good point. If something happens especially on a stage like that. It already happened in front of millions of people live and then replayed and replayed on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and constantly being replayed and audio of the slap. And now there's a game and it's all about you. You didn't choose that to happen to you. You didn't choose someone to slap you and for that moment to go viral. So it will stay with him forever. And he'll be known for many things. Chris Rock is known and will always be known as a great stand-up comedian, excellent, uh, you know, comedian in general, good, decent actor. I'm not going to put him in like the grades category for acting. That's just my personal opinion. But he's a fantastic comedian. And there's so many things that he'll be known for. But that's going to continue to be one of them. That's going to continue to be a highlight or a low light, if you will, when it comes to Chris Rock. 200 million seems extensive. Um, And it's not to say, by the way, just because he didn't press charges that evening when he was asked if he would like to, that he couldn't sue. Those Mm -hmm. are a couple different things for those that don't realize how it works. And in America, it's very easy to sue after the fact, as long as it hasn't been too many years. But he could do it if he wanted to. Do you just sue like Will Smith, though? Because don't you feel like other people are at fault, too, here? Uh, There's a lot of blame to go around. I mean, at this point, despite the joke, and you can feel however you want to feel about the joke that Chris Rock told. Chris is an artist. All comedians are artists. That was their artistry, and he was practicing it on stage as he was invited to do. So regardless of how you feel about the actual joke that he told, he's very much a victim in this. And I never thought of it from the perspective that Jim Carrey just put out there. But yeah, this is an image of Chris Rock, not a particularly flattering one, that's going to be around forever. This is always going to be part of his memory, his legacy, his reputation, is the guy who got slapped on the Oscars by Will Smith. It's always going to be there. And in that sense, I don't think I would blame him. Now, does he need to press charges? I don't think he does. I think it was a classy move, and I think it was the right move to not press assault charges against Will Smith, even though he had every right to. Suing him, though, that's an interesting thing. And even if he doesn't want to sue Chris, I certainly wouldn't blame him if he wants to sue the Academy. Will, yeah, yeah, sue the Academy. Sorry, Will, the Academy. But that's a great point, too, because... I I realize that in that moment, because even watching it, even watching it, you're going, is this real life? Is this happening? Was this scripted? I think that the people, everybody in the tele, in that live television booth, uh, down on the ground, security is going, well, this didn't happen in rehearsals. Is this real life? I think there's a moment of shock there, too. So I don't necessarily think right away they should have tackled Will Smith because I know that there was probably confusion. We are talking about how, like it was what happened is so fucked up. That it seriously took me days and I'm not in the, I'm not one of the people involved. It took me days to like go, wow, that shit really happened. So I could only imagine in that moment, especially considering Chris continued on to give that Oscar away um, to, I think it was, was it Questlove he gave the Oscar to, whatever it was. He continued to stay on the stage and do that. And then in the back, he did speak with people and that's when people realized, oh shit went down. The Academy could have done something in terms of security. So maybe that's a production issue. Maybe that's, I don't know who hires security. I'm assuming it would be the production. Is it ABC he sues? I mean, where, by the way, everybody loves Chris. Where does that air? Is that ABC? Maybe. 
Okay, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. But anyway, depending on his relationship, uh, he could sue just about anybody involved there if he wants to. Now, let's just also add to the fact, though, that Chris is, although that was a shit joke, like it wasn't even a funny joke. And we all know that. And you can, abs- like Scott said, you can absolutely put full blame on that shitty joke. He apparently didn't know Jada had alopecia. Okay, let's assume that. Even if he, if he did assume or if he didn't, it's still a shitty joke. It's not that funny. I don't know why you'd even say that. But that aside, you don't, you look like a victim. Mm-hmm. And when you look like a victim, it gains sympathy. And I'm seeing that everywhere. I'm seeing people more so sympathizing with Chris Rock. Even though he told a shitty joke, that's really the only thing he did wrong here was tell a shitty joke. So people seem to be really sympathizing with him like, oh, you know, he, he was assaulted. And this also leads to people wondering, will he talk about it? And he's in the middle of a stand-up tour. And for those who don't know, apparently ticket prices, I didn't watch them in Toronto, the prices, ahead of time. But I can tell you there's only a few left to his show. It was not sold out before the Oscars. Huh. And now it's probably sold out. But the other shows, apparently, the prices for those tickets that are even still available had gone up. Whether that's Chris, whether that's the venue, I couldn't tell you. But he's set to profit on this anyway if he wants to without suing Will, is my point. If he wanted to do an interview with any one of his friends, I mean, he is friends with all the major people that he would even sit down and talk to, Mm -hmm. including a Gail King, for an example, or an Oprah, of course, he could sit down with any one of them. He could write a book if he wanted to. He could continue to talk about it in stand-up if he wanted to. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the money. But does he do it for the sake of that is my face? Like you said, an unflattering photo of me being slapped will continue to be used as a meme and as a gif. You know how these things live on. They continue to live on forever. No matter what social platforms will come and go these kinds of memes stick around forever. So that's something that he probably is considering. Tonight, by the way, is his first stand-up show since this all went down. It's happening in Boston. Sold-out crowd, obviously. God, I'd love to be there. But does he say anything? I think he will. And I think if you're going to that show in Boston, we actually have a lot of listeners in Boston for some reason, but if you're going tonight and you're not recording every second of that just to try and catch the moment when he does talk about it, you're not doing it right. It, you, everybody should be cameras up tonight. He might be po- he might be phone pouch though. I'm not sure how his his works. Oh. He might have phone pouch. So mm. which is by the way, you have to put your phone away. They'd, and I would do that too. By the way, if I was a comedian like a Chris Rock or anybody else, I would definitely be like, no, phones away. Like focus on the show. This is what you're here for. This is one of the reasons I hate going to concerts. Even people's phones are everywhere. Maybe he'll do that. Maybe not. But you know, one way, shape, or form, we will get audio of that because a crew member will end up sneaking some audio to TMZ if it happens. We will have it for you here too. But I, I personally am not sure he'll address it as head on as you might think. I think that he may allude to it like, oh, people have heard about me in the news. Ha ha ha. If he says nothing, I think that is an indication that it's potential that he's considering action because he wouldn't say a word because he doesn't want to hurt a case. He wouldn't say a word about it tonight if he is considering suing. Well, the, the Academy owns the broadcast and the image that is everywhere and in all those memes is actually owned by the what is it? The Recording Academy of Motion Arts and Sciences, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. They own that. And every time that photo gets shared, every time it goes out there, that could technically be theirs. If they wanted to go after everybody repurposing that photo and making it a meme, they could profit off of it if they want. And that's part of the reason that I think Chris should be going after the Academy. One of the main ones that's used is actually a Getty image. It was taken from the gallery. 
So there's a lot of images that are out there that are actually not owned by the Academy. They don't own anything because they welcome these photographers in. Don't forget that that's what they do. They welcome all the media up in one location, up at the balcony, and you get pretty good shots all the way through because they want you to be able to sell those to the to the Toronto Suns even and the or the whatever extras or whoever may not be able to be in attendance. Getty Images, our company uses them. So that's why we ha- are allowed to use that photo, too. Uh, so don't forget that there's a lot of ownership there in those photos. They can't sue anybody for that because they allow them to come in and take photos of the night. And that happened in the night. Either way, Chris Rock is in a shitty position. I, I don't know. And, and if he decides not to do anything, people are going to be pissed. If he decides to do something, people are going to be pissed. It, it's, it's a rock in a hard place. And at the end <laughs> of the day, he is a victim. Very a rock, rock in a hard, hard place. place. Yeah. It is. Procter & Gamble. Now apologizing after an ad that they ran in China claiming, Cat that women's feet are five times stinkier than a man's. What? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. They actually did this as like, and not as a joke? That's right. This was a legit thing. They were trying to sell a body cleansing kit for women. So they made this infographic thing about how gross women's feet are presumably in an, in an attempt to shame women into doing something about their reportedly stinky feet they ran it on social media and it encouraged people to do a smell test on their own feet if they don't believe it <laughs> now i mean there's no actual proof that on mass women's feet smell worse than a man's certainly not five times worse i'll say on my own where anecdotally they, where did they even get that number The ad listed some other kind of questionable facts, too. Things like women's feet have six times more bacteria than a man's because women go sockless more often than men. They also claim that women have five times more sweat glands in their feet, and that's why their feet are so stinky. Five times worse than men. Well, women saw this ad and they instantly called bullshit because it's a ridiculous thing to even suggest. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Do a fun experiment. When you get home tonight, guys, why don't you smell your girl's shoes and then smell your own shoes and see if there's a five times difference. Some people love that shit, by the way. Sniffing 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 shoes? shoes. (laughs) You fucking sickos. Yeah, they do. You know who you are. (laughs) So women's groups started calling this ad inappropriate and demanding an apology for disrespecting women. They said they were trying to exploit women's insecurities about their own body just to try and make a buck selling this new body cleanse thing that's supposed to make your stinky feet smell better, ladies. Procter & Gamble has formally apologized. They've admitted they were wrong. They've pulled all the ads and and they are going to do better in the future. (laughs) I'm glad they got called out because they could have just as easily gotten away with it. There's a lot of people who would think, oh, Procter & Gamble, they make a lot of products. They've been in the business for a long time. They're probably right. I mean, they wouldn't say it on TV if it's not right. So I guess I got to get the shit and clean my feet. It, it, all right, were any of those facts, by the way? Like, do women actually have more sweat glands on our feet than men? Like, is that a fact? Not verifiable, no. Like, they just made a bunch of shit up or hired a team to make a bunch of shit up. That that's, wouldn't surprise me at all if they but, hired somebody to make shit up. That's and and you know okay and th- this is the truth though is that a lot of time when you see products on TV that tell you oh this is a test that we did 
they might have done seven or eight tests, maybe nine, 10, maybe 50 tests before they showed you the one they wanted to show you. In this test, you'll see this because that's the one that's going to sell people. Boom. That's the test right there. So they can slant that as much as they want to. But what what really pisses me off. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad the ad's gone. We got to target these social media ads. Yes. I mean, you and I probably see different ones because we are of different demographics and they know all of the information about us. And you buy different things online and I'll buy different things online. But some of the ads that I see pop up are unbelievable. And I feel bad. It's a straight up scam. Like, I feel bad for anyone buying it. You know, lotions that claim to get rid of wrinkles like this. And then they put a hand over, you know, the person or something. And it's clearly photoshopped. Or, you know, oh, this will make you whatever. They always try to target the insecurities. That's exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. And the products are never end up being that way. I always read comments. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And sure enough, people are like, this is the biggest scam I've ever seen in life. I'm like, okay, good. I'm, I'm glad at least not everybody's falling for it. But they need to do more about it. They need to know more about that shit. I totally agree with you. We've talked many times on this show for many years about the four-day work week. And now that is a campaign promise from the Ontario Liberal Party is Steve Del Duca says, we're going to make a four-day work week in Ontario. We talked about this the other day. I don't know how you legislate it, but I'm really curious in the process because that's something that I would like to see happen. Mm-hmm. If Premier Ford, because Del Duca really doesn't have a hope in hell of winning, I would think that maybe Doug Ford should look at that and say, hey, this is something that the folks want. And if the folks want it and we've got all this money to spend, let's give it to the folks oh, and give them a four day work week. He is a man of the people after all. We'll do something for the people, Doug. The people want a four day work week. Come on, Doug. But here's the question. <laughs> Could a four day school week work? Oh, you know what? And that I would not be the correct person to actually answer that and tell you definitively yes or no. I think that that would be an absolute teachers. Uh, anybody who works in schools will probably try to be like, yes, we can find a way. Right. Because you guys <laughs> want, And you guys want and deserve that break, too. Right. How would it work if there's a four day work week and, and a five day school week? I mean, you would have to you would have to make it fair across the board. Now, could it work? I mean, yeah, there's probably things that you could drop in a school day that you could try to. I don't know. Maybe you can come up with a. Nobody wants to lengthen the school year. I I understand that because it gets long sometimes. But there's got to be little things and tweaks that can be made um, for the curriculum in order to let allow that to happen. Well, there's been so many studies on the four day work week and the four day work week. They actually found workers are more productive. They're at their desks for a longer, more concentrated period of time, and they actually get more done when they've got more time to work on something. It's a longer day, but it's less days. Then they come back recharged and they're good to go and they can be just as productive for their 40 hours over the four days instead of the the five days. So Oregon State University decided we're going to study it in schools. And it did not have the same effect as it did in the workforce. Interesting. Okay. What were the results here? Over 1,600 U.S. schools participated in a trial that started back in 2018. They say it has not gone well, especially with the tougher subjects like math. They said kids' reading skills weren't affected that much, but their math skills plummeted, especially schools in big cities. So they say if we want to do a four-day school week, major adjustments will need to be made. I mean, nobody needs math anyway. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Just me? No? Uh, okay, interesting. I think whatever it is that we do, as far as the workforce is concerned, especially after all that we've learned about childcare being a barrier, 
I think the last thing we need is to take every kid in Ontario out of school one day a week on top of the weekend. So if you've got parents that are working a four-day work week, it might make sense to have kids on a four-day school week. But you can't leave parents on a five-day work week and have kids on a four-day school week. That's where problems come into play. That's where it's going to turn into a major mess. So I think whatever we do with the adults, we'll have to mirror that with the kids. Or maybe we just leave the kids alone. There's a lot of parents who would love to go to the four-day work week and just have that extra day to themselves to get some stuff done around the house. You better be prepared to do something for the people working in the schools then. Oh, well, they actually, you know what? And that was one of the things that people ask me about whenever I talk about the four-day work week. People always ask me, well, what about the teachers? Kids go to school five days a week. I have proposed a modified rotary system where the teacher is with the kids four days a week, but when you juggle their schedule around because they have to have other subjects like math or art or gym or whatever the fuck else they do in school these days, they would then have another teacher and the hours would work out that each teacher would still work a four-day work week, but students would be in five days a week. And creatively, it can be done. It's actually not that complicated. Yeah, one would even argue too, those who are on the substitute, substitute lifts to be a teacher, awaiting that full-time position, awaiting to be able to get in there would love a regular one-day-a-week thing until they do reach that position. Uh, Last thing I want to cover is it's kind of an embarrassment that in Canada we call Justin Trudeau's plane Ken Force One. It's obviously a ripoff. In the U.S., whatever plane is carrying the President of the United States is Air Force One. That's its call sign. Get off my plane. Thank you. It's a wonderful movie if you've never seen it. So good. And it's a great plane with office space. And there's a bedroom there. And there's a cargo area. They can take the president's limo in the gut of the plane. They've got the media area. It's awesome. It's so secure. The communications in it are world class. And they're getting a new Air Force One. They're going to upgrade it, which is awesome. Well, in Canada, we kind of have a patchwork we have a used plane that justin trudeau uses when he has to fly and the canadian forces operate it and it's they call it can force one which is kind of a joke but Mm. whatever that's fine go ahead and call it can force one when he has to do something domestic he just flies on the challenger private jets again those are flown by military pilots it's fine well in mexico they're having a bit of a problem in that a previous administration ordered a new presidential plane for Mexico's president. Mex Force One. See, that's the kind of shit that people keep doing. (laughs) They paid $200 million for the Mexican Mm. presidential plane. $200 million. Mm. So the current president and even the one before him was like, this was a colossal waste of money. We don't need it. So tell you what, try and sell the fucking thing. Nobody bought it. Nobody bought this plane. So now they've got a new idea. They're going to start renting it out for private parties like bachelorettes and stagettes and gender reveals and shit like that. Fuck could afford an Airbnb on a plane like that. That's a great question, but they are going to make it available and they have not disclosed how much it'll cost. I do happen to know that that plane costs about $25,000 an hour to operate just with the fuel See, and the staff and stuff like that. Who are they going to get to do it? Just like the Kardashian Jenners are going to be the only people that are able to do it. And, and, and maybe like Bill Gates will be like, I'll do it one time. And you're going to get like just Elon Musk. Okay, sure. I'll give it a go. Like it's only rich people shit. How can you make unless you're going to do multiple groups on it? 
they might do multiple groups on it. Apparently, this plane's pretty pimped out. Like, it makes the Canadian one look like a bit of a joke. I mean, if you if you divvied it up, and let's say you did, you put, hey, this is your private room on this jet, and this is your private room on this plane, and this is your private room, this is your bachelorette, this is where you're having your this and that, and we're like all Like at flying, the movie theater, like know, when kids are having a birthday. Everybody gets their own room. Do, so, are they, are, is there a destination here? Like, they're flying to somewhere, or do they just party on the plane and then get off the plane and hope they don't fall down the fucking staircase on the way out? I believe you charter it for the day. And Mexico's a huge country. I mean, if you're you're in, I don't know, Guadalajara and you want to go to uh, Cancun Cancun, or the Riviera Maya for the weekend or even for the day, right. you could take a private jet. In this case, it would be the presidential jet and you can party it up I mean, on that this would, plane. I, I wouldn't say no to a party on it. That sounds cool. And um, good luck to them. I guess it's better than it's sitting there and doing nothing. You know, if you go on Air Force One, there's some pretty sensitive shit in there. I mean, he can actually fire nuclear weapons from Air Force One. It is a, a communications marvel of technology. I have to assume that the Mexican presidential plane has got some presidential shit on it. Hopefully, they've done all the work to make sure that some asshole who's drinking tequila out the bottle and having his best day ever can't just hit the fucking button and fire nukes at canada or something like that yeah you hopefully can't, that's been thought of nobody's allowed in and around that i would say cockpit but i, I bet you it's like a whole control room and oh, it, yeah. when it's a plane that big that's not just a cockpit that's like a a, a cock dome the <laughs> <laughs> like entire, entire front part is like nobody should touch that shit because could you imagine i'm like Five tequilas in, like, what is that button do? <laughs> Let me push it. I want to sit on the pilot's knee and wear his hat. Can I do it? Take a picture of me. Whoops, sorry, I just pushed that. What is that one? What'd I do? Oh, well, fuck, a country's gone. Thanks for that. Yeah, the people in the back just fell out the back of the plane. <laughs> so that's, that's not helpful at all, you know? All right, we're going to wrap it up for today. We're at time, and uh, I have an event tonight, like a real live, in-person, emceeing type event. What? You're going to see people? In do you care, Do you care to promote this? Can people buy tickets to this event? Uh, this is one that I've done many times in the past, but not for the last two years because of COVID. It's uh, the Halton Chamber of Commerce Awards, and, and business owners will be honored for mm -hmm. all the different things that they do or will do or have done, and it's fine. It's a good event i mean it's usually a fairly chill crowd in fact the last time i hosted it this is how long it's been was the day they legalized marijuana in ontario holy shit yeah i was yeah, pretty fucking high i'll tell you that <laughs> uh, <laughs> i couldn't help the day that they legalized it and and i had a, a, a gig to do that night so i just had to make it work i got a great joke for you yeah on stage okay give it to me hey alopecia is pretty funny <laughs> no I probably wouldn't go no, with that. No, okay. I, I probably well, wouldn't we'll, go we'll with that. We'll work on it then. Have a great day, guys. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of After 9. In the meantime, smash that subscribe button. Boom, smash it. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. CNN officially launched their brand new streaming service, CNN Plus. That's right. With CNN Plus, you can get news from CNN all day at any time. Or as that's also known, CNN. <laughs> Some business news, FedEx just announced that after more than 50 years, its founder and CEO is stepping down. Oh. Yep, on his last day, he'll be driven home and then thrown onto his front lawn. <laughs> you guys see this? Apparently, Verizon customers have been receiving spam texts from their own phone numbers. <laughs> it's weird when you get a text from yourself at 2 a.m. that says, me up. 
The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy it.